members of the Riveted. It's late February, early March. I'm Joel, and with me is our always awesome social media manager and the man with his finger on the pulse of news, none yeah. other than... <laughs> that would be me. That's Jason. Hey, what's going on? Yes. And tonight we talk, today, whatever, this whole podcast being timeless thing is weird to me, uh, but today or tonight or whenever you're listening to this, we talk games that we covet of the other person's collection as a part of our two-part series where we'll talk overlap games at some point. But anyway, before we get to that, we'll start off with, I guess, some news, huh, Jason? Yeah, hey, uh, we got contacted by um, Travis Hogland, who's with Silver Gaming Company, and he wanted us to review a new game that he has coming out called The Goblin Grapple. Uh, I don't really know a ton. Yeah, I actually, well, I actually looked at a video of the gameplay on this. It looks like uh, a combination of like war meets Stratego. That's what it sounded right. like. Yeah, yeah, and like with yeah with hidden cards and maybe a little bit of like some. It feels like some cards can kind of trump other cards too. It looks it looks a little interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I mean, anytime we can get a review copy of a game is cool. So I'm pretty pumped about this one, and we'll give it a shot and see what it looks like. And it comes in a sweet uh, box as well, which. I'm pretty pumped about. Yeah, that laser etched box is awesome looking. And I'm with you. Anytime that we can get a chance to do a preview of something that's going to be on Kickstarter, that's pretty exciting. That makes you feel like uh, you get a chance to be heard for sure. So we're excited about the opportunity. And thanks for that. Yep. Awesome. Well, that was just kind of like news that was probably pretty important to us. But now here's what's going on on, I guess, (laughs) Kickstarter to start with. Right. All right, so the first thing that I wanted to take a look at is a game called Robin Hood and the Merry Men. It's by the same company that recently did the Kickstarter Rise to Nobility. I'm not sure if it's the same company or same designer, but somehow they're related. And this actually seems pretty intriguing to me because it's a worker placement game. It's a big, heavy Euro. But the funny thing is it has some dice rolling combat, which brings me into a little bit of a Meritrash, which I usually steer away from, but... It seems pretty fitting and cool in this one. Yeah, I actually saw this one too. Um, I saw a preview of it, and it looks like you're like basically trekking through the woods on like kind of a journey. Is that this one? Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're trying to keep the sh- the sheriff and his hoodlums from shutting down all of these pathway roads in and out of the castle. So you're kind of working yeah. together, but it's also competitive at the same time. It's pretty interesting. I love the theme. The theme is really cool. Um, I'm not sure if I'll back this one or not. There's just so much out there that you have to choose between backing Agreed. and not backing. Yeah, agree. But you know what's kind of cool is a game that you and I both own, like kind of as a sneak preview of, uh, I think you own this one too. I'm pretty sure you do. You know what game was originally published as Robin Hood, right? Sheriff of Nottingham, right? Yeah, Sheriff of Nottingham. Before it became the uh, Dice Tower Essentials line, it was called Robin Hood. So nice. it's a it's a... Cool. That's a cool theme for sure. And I do love Sheriff of Nottingham. It's a good game. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I The expansion I haven't picked up yet. But anyway, I think we're getting into stuff we own, which is later in the show. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, what did you see? Did you know the price point on this one is by any chance? Yeah, I just looked at it. I thought it said it was 56. That, oh, sound, that sounds right. And it said when it goes to retail, it's going to be 70. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So it'll actually sell for 56 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, that's that's not bad. I kind of like that, that they're giving people a price break. And it used to be that way on Kickstarter a lot. 
Yeah, I'm, I think it's cool. That's what how it should be. You're helping them fund the game. They should give you a cheaper price than it would cost in the store. But absolutely, like, I, and that's the other thing too is like when people talk about getting stiffed on Kickstarters. I mean, I'm kind of going on a tirade here, but when people talk about getting stiffed on Kickstarters, people are less than sympathetic most of the time. And I think it's because they're like, you know, when you did that, you were just saying, I support your idea and you never were guaranteed any kind of backing or any kind of, you know, reward. Like that's bull crap. Nobody gives 60 bucks to somebody just because they're like, Hey, I think you're a cool person. Like you want something back out of it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I guess that was just some, some neuron in my brain triggered over to talk about that. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> like when you're doing Kickstarter, you're doing it because you feel like, it's either you you want something out of it most of the time. It's not because you think, hey, I'm being philanthropic and this is a charity, you know? Right, so yeah, them giving yeah. you a little break is pretty awesome. Agreed. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is called Deadwood 1876. And the reason that this is interesting to me is because it's from the same people that made Tortuga. Yes. And they do all the games that look like cool little books. And Tortuga is super right. fun. And if this game is even like... A quarter as fun as that one, I'm in. And plus, it's a cool Wild West theme. So that always makes games a little cooler. I, I'm really tempted on this one. I uh, My son just said he really wants to get photosynthesis. So like, I'm pretty tempted to get that. But this one, I think it's 23 or 26 bucks. Yeah, they're, to usually, back per, it. they're usually pretty cheap, yeah. Well, and then you can do an add-on for either Salem or Tortuga for 20 bucks a piece. Right. Um but these games look so cool. I mean, like the little book thing, like this is a game that you wouldn't have to put on your bookshelf. It could be a part of your decor in your house. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, they're really like, nice. They're just really pretty little games. And then I actually did watch this quite a bit because this one really intrigued me. I'm Salem or Tartuga, Tortuga are definitely on my games I want to get list. And um, I don't know. I wanted to look at this one. It, it, at first, I was like, I don't know. It feels like it's not going to be too strong a gameplay because it's like you're playing cooperatively then at the last minute you kind of like fight each other to get all the gold so it's like why does it matter if we cooperate ever in the game like why wouldn't I just hoard the best resources for myself and I kind of understood that a little better there's like a team aspect then you fight your team kind of thing is what I feel like happens there um, so it does have more to it than I thought it actually looks pretty decent and then the other thing too is like you can figure out if someone's not pulling their weight if someone you think is definitely hoarding cards for that final shutdown you can actually banish them off your team so um, it's got some kind of cool mechanics to it that I don't know if this one's going to be Salem or Tortuga awesome. It has definitely the potential to be that, but I want to own one of their three games and I'm not sure which one yet. And this one's definitely got me interested. And I know I just looked, it's at like $145,000 of its goal, which was like 20, like 25,000 was its goal. And it's at 142 and it has 24 days to go. So this one's going to be a massively huge success for them. Right. For sure. Yeah, I, I think this game is going to be amazing in every way. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably end up backing this one if I had to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it, but since I already have Tortuga, it seems kind of similar in gameplay. So I don't really feel like I need both of them. But if I didn't have Tortuga, I, I get that. yeah. I certainly get that. I mean, like, there's just, I don't know. It's, it's something I want to talk about in gaming eventually at some point. And like with our next with our next point, I guess it's a good segue into it. There's like models of games where it's like you almost have the next game become obsolete before you really get a chance to thoroughly enjoy the game. So like I'm gonna tell you, like my two biggest examples of this are Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. Like Forbidden Island came out and then Forbidden Desert came out. Like, and I know they're different enough games that they aren't exactly the same. 
but it's like Forbidden Desert's just like the version of the game that I think is just much better, and it has a lot of the same flavor and everything like that. Well, now Forbidden Sky is coming out, and it looks like it's a full-fledged game in that same kind of series. So it's like, I don't know, it's like there's almost like a planned obsolescence in games. The other one that I, I like am having a hard time with is um, Above and Below and Near and Far. Like, I own Bo- Above and Below, and I was really hyped for it. But then Near and Far came out, and I don't, I mean, I know they're different games again, too, but I don't know that I'll ever end up playing, like, Above and Below if I had the choice between the two, honestly. So, anyway, Forbidden Sky was my next news point, but it's coming out. <laughs> right. um, but, I mean, like, and I'm not trying to be mean towards it. I mean, like, Matt Leacock is somebody that I definitely admire. He definitely is, like, probably the father of co-op gaming. I know that Reiner Kinesia had, like, The Hobbit come out before him, and there was, um, oh, what, what's that Days of Wonder game called? Um, man, what can't I think of it right now? The uh, King Arthur game. Oh, dang it. Why can't I think of the name of it right now? Anyway, it'll come to me in a second. But there were other cooperative games out there before Pandemic. I think Pandemic you're thinking of was the Shadows one. Over Camelot, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Shadows yeah. Over Camelot. Sorry. <laughs> but Pandemic was one that definitely, like, was the first one to really bring the co-op thing into the mainstream, I think. Um, I mean, Shadows did it to a degree, and the Ho- and Lord of the Rings did it to a degree, but like he cleaned it up and made it just a lot better thing to do. And then he's taken that system that, like, on your turn, use four actions and have a player power thing, and put that into about ten different games now, and other people have made a slight version of it that's like a rip-off of it, like Flashpoint. I mean, it's a little different, but I mean, it's been hugely popular. Now the latest... The latest uh, version of that is Forbidden Sky, which was announced, I guess, or finally like revealed to be, hey, it's definitely happening this last week. Uh, it looks like it's going to have a Gen Con 18 release. I'll say this, Jason. The thing I'm most excited about about this game is it's not in one of those stupid tins. It's actually in a proper Christian cardboard box. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty nice. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just kidding about the Christian part. I mean, this game is clearly not Christian, I don't think. I don't know. It's not commissioned. <laughs> That's true. It's not. Or Kingdom of Solomon. Yeah. Which are both games I think I would like. I, I own commissioned. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm just being silly. Like, that's just a thing that, like, uh, my brother and I say is, like, we call something, like, good, proper, and Christian. Just as a funny thing to say. And, like, I'm a born-again Christian myself, so it's not like I'm disparaging any belief system or anything when I say that. It's just a little thing I say. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, the last the last thing I want to mention in the news too, Jason, that I found, and this is going to be pretty exciting for us, is uh, we live, you know, a couple hundred miles apart from each other. Well, and uh, and like I think that you've uh, decided to go with a more mobile stuff than having a heavy computer around your house, which a lot of people have gone that direction. I mean, a tablet does ninety nine percent of what you want to do on a computer anymore. Right. So. Table, table, uh, tabletopia or tabletopia or however you want to pronounce it is now on iOS. And I know it's definitely on tablet, iOS tablets. Um, but you know, iPads, I guess is what they're called, but I'm not sure if it's on the phones yet, but that's pretty huge news. Um, because it lets people like you and I, you know, on a Thursday night say, Hey, you want to play, you know, a round of uh, Manhattan project or something. And we can just fire that up and play, which is pretty cool. I'm excited about it. Yeah, that is cool. I think um, I tried to download it on the on my phone today, and it didn't work yet. Uh, so I don't think it's quite yet available. But I didn't try the iPad yet, so I I don't know. I I haven't tried iPad either yet, Jason. I uh, I basically um, 
just saw that it was existing in the in the app store, but I was on my Android phone at the time. But I'll try it on my iPad at some point. But it's brand new and it has pretty good ratings. It has like a four and a half star rating so far. So mm, that's cool. Ah, uh, so Jason, let's get to the part people actually want to listen for. I guess. All what right. have you played since the last time we talked? Well, I played a new hotness game from Matt Gertz, yes, the designer of Concordia, and this game was called Transatlantic. Oh and, yeah, and it was so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks pretty interesting. Um, I looked at some reviews of it and some things about it. I actually wonder if I might like it better than Concordia. I know that's like blasphemy for most people, but um, I don't know. I people people were like, it's got more of a chaotic feel to it, and it's not got the economic map type stuff on it. But I mean, really, honestly, I think the card plays why people really like Concordia. So I'm really interested to try this one out. Right. Yeah, uh, I played it as three a three player game, and it was amazingly fun. I mean, just the whole playing one card and then you can copy someone else's card if you've already played that card and then you can play a card to pick everything back up and having to deploy your ships based on a younger ship going to the top of the list so it stays out on the board longer to earn you more money and yeah this the whole the every mechanism in that game was amazing and the the scoring was kind of cool based on when you had a ship come off the board it would basically go to the scrapyard and the scoring was based on how many ships were in the dock of that color and how many like little chits you had on your player board of that color. So you kind of do the chits plus the number of cards in the deck uh, in the docks and that would give you your score. So you get a ton of points if you're just rolling with, you know, a couple of colors of boats that have a ton in the docks. And yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Huh, it's that whole upgrading your ships and getting newer ships thing almost sounds like the 18 XX games. A little bit, but it sounds like it's pretty cool. Um, do you think you could... So, like, I own Union Pacific. In that game, there uh, is really no need for a board. Like, I have a friend of mine who carries his copy of Union Pacific around in a little, like, white deck box. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just plays on a table. Do you think you could almost play this one without a, a board? There, I mean, it's barely a board as it is. It's, like, four little sections. Basically, I don't know, like... 12 by three inch sections. So you just set that up based on the number of players. So yeah, you could totally get rid of the board and just lay cards out if you need to. Yeah. See, the reason why that interests me is I'm, I'm going to be like, you know, out of my house for a while this summer, you know, like all of us do on, we go on little vacations and trips in the summer. And I'm really interested in trying to, so like when I went to Gatlinburg a couple years ago, I brought nine games and put it all in a ticket to ride box. So like I'm really interested in trying to find games that are pretty rich, not just little filler games, but can be pretty compact. So this one might fit the ticket for that, honestly. Yeah, I think it would work. I mean, you just have to remember you might have to make yourself some notes because there's one player board where where the, the ship market where you're buying the new boats they have based on the position on that board. Because there's like a little another little board, based on the position of where that boat is, it adds a cost to the the ship. So you might have to make yourself some notes that hey, this first ship is zero, the next one's ten. But I mean, it's not a big deal. I don't think. Yeah, very cool. Um, I I have a guilty confession here. I have to make. I own Concordia. I picked it up late 2017. Um, found a copy of it, and in spite of that horrible looking box art, decided to buy it. Um. I have not played it yet, so I'm feeling pretty guilty about that, but um, 
by all accounts, like everyone that I trust who's played games says Concordia is amazing. And it looks, I've played it like one player playing two players kind of thing. Right. And, and it's, uh, it plays pretty smooth, even just with myself playing against myself. So, I mean, like, I'm looking forward to playing Concordia as well. Matt Gertz, he's got three really noteworthy names. The I, I guess two really noteworthy and then one that kind of super fans know about, the Navigador or whatever the name of that game is. Didn't he also do Hamburgum or something like that? Yeah, Hamburgum, which is known for having ridiculous components as much as anything else, I think. Right, yeah. <laughs> cool. I played uh, this last week. I played my. I, this is actually kind of a cool story. My, I took my son to the board game shop, and um, we were out just doing some errands, and I stopped by, by Ruples uh, in Dunlap, Indiana. So I'm giving you a shout-out here, Rex. He's an awesome dude. He uh, he takes care of me, and he takes care of people who are regular your regular uh, customers. He's your very typical friendly local board game shop. Right. Love the guy and love his shop. But anyway, uh, whenever I go in there, I spend a ton of time. And so I try to at least buy something. And uh, I was mostly in there to buy my friend a, a birthday present. Um, and while I was in there, my son was looking at Unearth and a couple other games. He was looking at Stuff Fables and he was like, whoa, 70 bucks. And I was like, yeah, he'll probably give me a little little money off on it, but it'd still be, you know, this much money and he's like yeah that's a lot and i was like what about this one on earth because he kept looking at it and he's like yeah that's pretty awesome i go what if i paid for half of it you paid for half of it it was all i'm buying it then so like that was pretty awesome that he was that interested in buying on earth and so he came home and he read all the directions on it punched it all out got it all ready to play and he had a couple of friends over and uh he was like he was actually this is a this is gonna be one of those moments i'm gonna remember forever as the dad of a board gamer he's like hey dad you want to <laughs> play with us i was like absolutely i was totally in and this game i didn't expect much out of except for it to be a really pretty little game right but man it is not bad at all like it's pretty cool and i don't know how much you know about it but it's like if you roll low you get these they call them stones they're basically cubes that you're trying to make arrays of to like get these like slight player powers or something yeah and then if you uh if you roll high then you can win the area control part and actually get these cards when they break kind of like smash up um so so at any rate long story short like it's uh it's it's pretty awesome, um, so I'm I I don't know I didn't expect really anything from this game and I was really happy to uh, I was really happy to to get a chance to play it and and just enjoy it and it's man I don't know the coolest mechanic in it I think is that you can use these little hex tiles to make like a a five sided or six sided little shape and then you put like a little like earn token in the middle of it well then you can build off of that so like you're trying to be strategic with the colors you pick and with stuff like that so i don't know it was a neat little game uh it's really pretty too it seems fun is it is it a filler or is it like an actual full link game it's a uh on if you're gonna call it a i call it a filler but it's a robust filler if that makes sense right um i think we we played it a couple of the little kids that were here with Luke were really into it and wanted to win bad. So they were pretty <laughs> AP prone, but we still played it in like with four players played it in probably 50 minutes, maybe, maybe oh, a little bad. less. Yeah. That's nice. Um, and I think if you played it with two and two people who just kind of don't care if they win that much, they just want to have fun and are just kind of using their intuition. Like, you know how you and I play, right. I think you and I could play this game in 25 minutes or so. Um, nice. But it's fun. I mean, you're just chucking dice. You're picking which die you want to roll. Um, really, a really fun little game. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to play it, but again, I you're the only person I know that has it, and I haven't wanted to ever pull the trigger and buy it. So 
Yeah, I, I guess it's going to be a six for you. Like, you'll be happy to play my copy, or actually my son's copy, but that's my guess <laughs> on where you'll be at with it. Right, I'm not sure yeah. that this is one that you're going to be like, I got to go out and rage by this one. That's probably true. It seems a little too light for me, but still fun, though. Yeah, it's a fun little game, though. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm not going to talk about my next one because I've already um, talked about that one until I've been blue in the face. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about another game that I played called The Shipwreck Arcana. And I don't know if you've if you've heard of this one or not, but it was on Kickstarter. And my my buddy picked it up and he brought it over this weekend. And essentially, it's a deduction, a cooperative deduction game where you're pulling tiles out of a bag with a number one through seven. There's three of each number in the bag. The the artwork looks awesome. I saw you posted a picture of it on our Facebook page. And if you're not on our Facebook page, you really need to get over there because we put so many cool pictures up all the time. But that <laughs> right. was one of the pictures you put up this week. And I thought, man, that Art Deco style of art on that thing is really cool. I actually thought it was transatlantic at first that you were posting. I was like, <laughs> man, the art looks really cool on the inside of the box. No. But no, the art looks awesome on that game. Yeah, it's awesome. So that makes the game a little cooler. But um, you're pulling these chits out of, out of this little black bag. And you have two numbers. So you could get two of the same numbers. You could get two different numbers. And there are four cards that are laid out that give you clues based on what you what number you play on that card. It's going to have like a special power that the card does. Like say, the, say if you play a number here, the other number you have in your hand is within four of that number. So you're trying to give your teammates a clue on what number you have by placing another number out on the row of cards. Hmm. So... You're trying so to it's g- like a little, a little like Hanabi, but not. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, it's hard to explain. Actually, it. I was trying to figure out after we played it, like how I could explain it, and I, the closest thing I can think of, if you've ever played um, Council of Verona, I have not. Well, Council of Verona is the same thing. You're playing these little bidding chits on these cards. They take control of the cards. It's not cooperative, but it's a similar mechanism. So this turns that into like a deduction cooperative game and you're trying to get eight answers right before the doom clock hits eight so you're in a race against doom to end the game and the game takes like 10 minutes it's super fast but it's actually a pretty fun 10 minutes so like it's an abstract game basically but if you wanted to try and put a theme on it like you're like locked in a cabin of a boat and you're trying to find the combination for the lock that's keeping you in or something i mean like well i don't know the cards actually look like tarot cards so it looks like art from tarot cards Huh. So it's really beautiful artwork, but they all have names like the space between and like the horror and stuff like that. So you're trying to use. Yeah, it's just, the theme is nothing. It's non-existent, but it's pretty artwork and it's fun. So I think it's cool. Do you foresee this game being one that is going to be a game that people are really like hyped about and wait for a second printing and it's going to be hard to find for a while kind of game? Or do you think this is one that's just going to be kind of a niche game that people are going to go, hey, what game do you think's cool that no one's ever heard of? The Shiprock Arcana. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I I think it's definitely going to be that niche game. I would It would be cool if it took off because at least the artwork is pretty. But I don't know if it's going to have appeal like, uh, I don't know, like Santorini. It's not like Santorini or, you know, those other abstract games like Onitama. It's just... It's there. It's cool. It's interesting. There's no other game kind of like it. So if you have it, it's cool that you have it, but I don't think they're going to be in a rush to reprint it and make it the new hotness. Huh. That's cool. It looks really cool. Um, do you know if there's any retail distribution on it or are we all just out of luck if we didn't get the Kickstarter? It, yeah. Honestly, all I know about it is what I saw when I played it. 
that's it. I, huh. I know it came from Kickstarter and that my friend has it. Outside of that, I don't really know a lot about it. Yeah. Sounds sounds pretty interesting. And like I can't speak much to it except for the art. It does definitely look cool. I'll back you on that one. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. My last game of the night, uh, because I'm going to, you know, I'll skip my middle game too, Jason. Solidarity. Um, we'll talk about those <laughs> some other time. But right. uh Mine's really an app that's a board game. So that's a hint for you that like people out there are like, oh, he's clearly talking about this game. But anyway, we'll talk about it maybe next week or something. Um, my last game I want to talk about is a roll and write game. Roll then write game is what I'm going to start calling them because right. like, saying something is by Roland Wright sounds like he's the most popular designer ever. And he created the <laughs> Yahtzee and a bunch of other games. Um, but Roll then write. Harvest Dice is the name of it. And I did a, I'm not going to talk a ton about it because I really want you guys to jump over to our Facebook page and I have a full playthrough on there. Um, so if you want to see a full playthrough of this game, it's a total, just a little filler game, but it's, it's so fun. It's a just great, fun little game. And actually we played it a little bit wrong in the, uh, let's play video on there. Um, and actually I think the way how it really plays is probably a little fuzz better. Um, but it's basically you're drafting die and then there are different colors of die and you're trying to like basically make the, the die where you're placing them on this grid be adjacent to each other. Um, by based on like what they are. So like there's like orange die that are carrots, there's red die that are tomatoes and green die that are, um, lettuce. And so you're, and then like you basically your columns are one through six. And then you also have this like dump area where you can basically dump vegetables that you can't use to a pig and the pig like gets fatter and gives you more powers and stuff. And it's got kind of a cool like hidden economic thing on it too, where you're trying to not draft certain die to try and make them more valuable and stuff. But I mean, I'm not normally a rule die and write down something on a pad kind of person, but this, this one to me like destroys Yahtzee. Like, I mean, like my wife loves Yahtzee. She'd probably play Yahtzee with me every night, but I don't want to do that to myself. So this game is like the closest thing to a compromise that I can find with her where she actually enjoyed this game quite a bit. Luke liked it quite a bit. He wants to do a, he wants to revive our dad, son in a game review series on YouTube with it, which may happen. I told him if we're going to do it, he has to do all the editing and production on it. And he said, ah, maybe. So (laughs) if that happens, it happens. We'll see. But, um, Harvest Dice was the name of the game. It's a really cool little game. It's it's pretty readily available, but you are going to have to pay MSRP for it, even on cool stuff and stuff right now, because it's $14.99, and it's just that much everywhere. So right. that's, one that, that's one that I suggest you go to your friendly local game shop and buy from him, because you, know, you can support him, and it doesn't cost you anything to support him, and he makes a little money off you. So... Um, but a really cool little game. I would endorse this as a buy game for anybody, honestly. It's... It's just a fun little silly game, um, but has enough thinking in it to keep gamers involved, has enough ease and access to it that my grandma could play it. And she's she's passed away two years ago. So, I mean, like, that's really saying something. Right. So That's a good game right there. <laughs> Literally, I, I don't think I have a single rolls and write game other than Yahtzee. This like game that. makes me want to buy more, honestly. I'm really looking hard at Avenue, but it's actually like called Kokoro now, I think. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it actually looks kind of cool too. I don't know. I didn't think I'd be into rolling right games at all, but I I kind of enjoy them. Yeah, the only one I seem to kind of be interested in is Castles of Burgundy, the dice game. But that's just because I'm a Feldite and I need to get more Feld in my life. Yeah, I mean that's a cheap game too. I think it's only like I don't know twelve, thirteen bucks or something right, like that. Yeah. So it'd be worth the risk on it too to yep. just see how you like rolling right games. Okay. So. Well, now into our future games that 
we stay up late at night, breaking out into cold sweats, wishing we owned, <laughs> but we know exist in the other person's game library. I'll go ahead and kick it off because I've got a pretty, pretty good first choice. And we've talked about this on here before, but Jason, whenever I see that pink, glorious box, pinkish, purplish, all kinds of hot colors that remind yeah. me of windbreakers circa 1985. Um, <laughs> Whenever I see Dinosaur Island, I just think, man, I wish I could get a copy of that game. And it's a true, like, I covet that game because I am not finding that anywhere at a reasonable no, price. No, so, you're not going to. Yeah, it's uh, it's an awesome game. I love playing that game. It's uh, it's just the way how it works, like, for many games, and then they all come together to be one, like, really great game. I love that. And it's something that I think is accessible to almost non-gamers. I mean, like... I don't think I quite have a non-gamer play it, but somebody who's played any kind of worker placement game at all whatsoever, like even Stone Age or something simple like that, could probably figure this one out. And uh, so it's really accessible. The theme makes it interesting for people. The artwork is cool and just like fun. It makes it just a more fun game. Um, and the uh, and then it's heavy enough too, though. By the time that you connect all those elements together. It's like you have four bite-sized chunks that you can do, but then connecting those like little bite-sized chunks together makes this not super complex, but like it's like trying to fit the gears together in a machine kind of game, and I really like it. So, Jason, go go hug and kiss your copy of Dinosaur <laughs> Island for me because I love it. So that's my that's my first pick. Yeah, that's a great pick. If I didn't have that, that would probably be my first pick too. If you had it, um, but. I'm going to start my first pick with a game that we played at our first BGM con that I was obsessed with. I've been trying to find a copy ever since, and it's almost as impossible as Dinosaur Island to find this game. And this game is Dogs of War. Oh, good pick. I don't like, I don't, it's not even a really a heavy Euro game, but man, there's just something about that game that is fascinating to me. I like the negotiation, I like the tug of war, battling in each of the three battles. I hate the minis, but I still like the game. <laughs> you just replace yours <laughs> with cubes or discs or something. Yeah, I, like we went to um, one of my friend's birthday parties at this um, board game cafe that's around our area, and they had a copy of Dogs of War for sale, and I so wanted it, but they wanted like sixty bucks for it or something. I was like, man, I can't. Oh, that's silly. I can't do that. Yeah, it was staring right there. It was within reach. I could almost touch it, and I couldn't. I couldn't spend that much money for it. I think my copy was 18 bucks shipped on a CMON sale. So I think they definitely run sales on it sometimes. I'd just That's be crazy. patient with it. That's crazy. So, yeah. And then, like, you'll probably spend another, I don't know, $4 on spray paint and cubes from Hobby Lobby to make your game playable <laughs> for yourself. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. The thing that's crazy about this game is if you were going to describe this game to somebody, you'd say, it's like tug of war, the board game. And it sounds horrible, but it's really fun. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's, you're essentially doing a tug of war. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun game. And this is one that I kind of not totally dumb lucked into. Like I just saw one person talk about it like really impassionately about how fun this game is and how it was like all the tension of diplomacy. And then three minutes later, it's a different game of diplomacy. And then three minutes later, it's a game, different game of diplomacy. And I wouldn't <laughs> say it's quite all the emotions and tension of diplomacy, but it right, definitely yeah. like has a lot of negotiation and stuff that happens in a pretty sleek package. I would say there's not a better game that negotiations and fun factor per minute beats it as far as if you're going to play a negotiating game. I agree. I totally agree. 
It's not going anywhere from my collection, that's for sure. I love it. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. You can't even find that on Board Game Geek used. You can't find that thing. It's like non-existent. It's crazy. Yeah, I think I think it's because um, our following, the Riveted, is so evangelical about it. They've heard us talk about it. <laughs> They've gone out and bought up all the copies like as quickly as they could. Is. I really and hope they that's have, what like, it is. Like each of our ten fans have forty copies of that game sitting on their shelf at home. So you, you know who you are, our ten fans. We we see you post on there. We give you high fives. We love you guys, the ten the ten hardcore fans. And like right, if yeah. you guys, like you guys, you ten fans are telling other people. We just need the other hundred people who do listen every week to just like get on our Facebook page and say hi. Like we need to know you exist. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, right. Dice Wars is a good pick, Jason. Yeah. I agree. All right, so time for you to get some love for your collection back here, okay? Um, right. Man, I, I had such a hard time picking um, between about five games that are all pretty close, but the next one I'm going to say is this, Marco Polo. And, I mean, like, it's a game that I really want to play, and I love the idea of placing dice, and I guess this is the supreme best dice placement game out there and then the really cool asymmetrical player power things this is one that i covet of yours that i haven't even played yet um and i mean like it's another one too that it never is real cheap like i've been keeping a close eye on this one to try and find a copy for like you know around 30 bucks if i ever could find one for around 30 i'd pull the trigger but i think the lowest i've ever seen it get to is like maybe 44 bucks or something like that so yeah it's a pretty sweet looking not sweet looking game, but it's a pretty sweet sounding game. It definitely right. doesn't look sweet. I'm not I'm not trying to rag on it, but it doesn't look that awesome. Well, no, it's it a looks Euro like El, game. Yeah. It looks like El Grande era artwork on the box, but it's uh um, it, Yeah, it does. By all descriptions and everyone's reviews of it, it's it's supposed to be pretty amazing. And I definitely this is one that like I don't care what happens. Next time we get together, we're playing this one. Like I don't care if I've got to stay till like three o'clock in the morning so it can get worked into the schedule. We're definitely playing this one next time we play. So I'm up for it. Yeah, I haven't played this game for a long time and it's in my like top five, so <laughs> I'm gonna own the expansion and I won't own the base game yet. We'll we'll put our two halves together and play the game with the expansion on it. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I guess the expansion comes out this week, maybe the full blown expansion that's coming out for it, or I yeah. think it's in retail this week. I think that's what cool stuff showed. I'm pretty sure. I don't know anything about the expansion, and it's probably just going to make me covet that game even more. But anyway, Marco Polo <laughs> is my next pick, and it's—I mean, it's a weird pick because it's not like I can't ever own it. It's not like Dinosaur Island where it's like I would have to literally murder yeah. a person to get a copy of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It really, that is 100% true. Um, <laughs> so Marco Polo and that ugly box is my next pick. <laughs> All right. Mine is also not impossible to find. I can find it. I just don't want to pay for it. Um, and that is Vinos. Yes. It doesn't that even have to be, pick. it doesn't even have to be the new fancy one. I've been watching some stuff on uh, just the what's your game old version. I'll take that one too. I just want to play that game because the mechanisms are just right up my alley and i love vidal lacerda so much yeah it's like uh it's like jamie stegmeyer and uh vidal lacerda decided to make a game together and they took gallerist and viticulture and they were like let's see if we can mesh these into one game and make a remix and it kind of is that i don't know it's it's not totally the gallerist but it's got the same like core thing that he does where it's like 
go one of these nine spots and then a hundred things happen, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to do 12 actions over the incor- entire course of the game. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think you do a little more than that in Vinos, but it's not a ton. I think there's like six seasons and you do two actions per season. Oh yeah, it is 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's weird. It feels like more than that though. You, well, you can take more based on some other stuff that happens. Like there are some where you can get like some bonus actions. So you're probably really going to take like 16 or 18 or something, but still that's not a lot. Well, and the cool thing about Vinos too, um, to brag about my own game, you know, is it has the two versions in one box. So you are paying like, I don't know, I think you probably can get it for like 70 some dollars, but I think you could justify this because it's actually two games, not just one. So, um, Yeah, that's kind of a gimmick. There's like two different rules on the two different games, I guess, but uh, the two the two versions of the same game. But honestly, the 2016 version really is like such a more entry level consumer type level game without the extra convoluted banking and making the um, wine fair so much more simple. And then the 2010 version is like going to be like, oh, we don't want to forget about Jason. Let's make this game intense and hard. Yes, so we're going to make the 2010 version of the box as well. So. Yeah, that's the difference between us. Is I'm I'm a 2016 guy. You're a 2010 guy. So like, right. if we ever talk to people who are really in the know about board games and they want to know what like our differences are in our personalities in gaming, we, we'll just have to say I'm a 2016 Venus guy. He's a uh, 2010 Venus guy, and yeah. they'll go, "Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense." So <laughs> I'm the back of the board Vino Venus box guy. <laughs> you're the front of the board guy. Yeah. You know my favorite thing about the deluxe edition of Venus is I mean this is stupid, but I just think it's cool. Is that you bag everything up and then like there's one little baggie and you're like, what is this? And you flip it over and it has a label on it that says spare parts. Like it literally comes with a bag of spare parts, which is kind of awesome. That is so, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah. The gallerist kind of does that a little bit, but not too much. Well, speaking of gallerist, um, that's my coveted game of yours too. So we both we both are cheapskates. We don't want to pay for those big Eagle Griffin boxes. But you know, honestly, like you own Gallerist, I own Vinos, and like to be truthful with you, I think they do enough to itch the same scratch um, of being that heavier Euro game with like just beautiful, beautiful components and beautiful, beautiful like artwork and just the finish on the cards and the finish on the player boards and just oh man and i'm not right. i'm not gonna lie i don't know how gallerist insert is but vinos's insert feels like tupperware like that's how thick the plastic is on it so like i think the gallerist inserts exactly the same one that vinos uses yeah and it has like the little lid on it it's just yeah. awesome man it's amazing so it doesn't really fit any of the components right but i mean like it's <laughs> right. made out of such good material that it's just awesome that's so true, but yeah but gallerist is my pick i think it's really cool i love that it's i don't know i love the theme of it like i feel like making a heavy euro game about making wine in portugal is kind of like yeah of course but then right. like saying hey i'm gonna own an art gallery and i'm gonna try and scout out local talent and i'm gonna try and like create artificial hype and manipulate the markets in ways that are questionably legal. I mean, like that's such a cool theme. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I mean, like, I don't, I don't think it's illegal to do that, but I think it's just shady. And I know galleries do it all the time, like promote right, their right. artists. So, well, he's a, yeah. I mean, Vidal Lacerda is a genius. He also has Kanban, which is about an assembly line in a car production factory. So, I mean, and, and it too is like go one of four places and the rest yeah. of this board is superfluous. So, yeah. He's yeah. crazy. No, it's that's another one. That's uh, that's gonna have to come up on our, our up on our games we both own show at some point. But yeah, he's 
he has yet to make a bad game, I think. I mean, like, maybe he made some bad games, but he, like, doused them with kerosene and burnt them in his backyard <laughs> before they ever saw the light of day. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything he's got is just, it's a it's a masterpiece. I mean, like, he's an artist of a game designer. So Yeah, I agree. Speaking of artist and art, Galarus is my, my game that I just, I mean, I look at for sales on that one, too. One of these days, it's going to be a Cool Stuff Inc. or Miniature Market deal of the day, and I'll be able to get it for, like, 50 bucks, and I probably will pull the trigger on it. But That's I love how I that got game. it. That's the only reason I yeah. have it. It was $50, including shipping. So I was like, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that sale. Like, I remember seeing it on the re- subreddit for board game deals. Which I man, I kind of hate that I just blurted that out because that's my like secret place to go to find board game deals, <laughs> right, and like I yeah. like quick get to them before everyone else. But now, great, all twelve fans of ours are going to subscribe <laughs> there now, and I won't get any board games now. So <laughs> buy all the games because <laughs> <laughs> they each own forty copies of Dogs of War. I mean, they're the kind of people who do that. So anyway, that's true. <laughs> no, but I mean, like I remember that exact sale, and I was like, I don't know, I've never played it before. I'm not sure if it's awesome, and like I totally wish I would have pulled the trigger on it. You're you're yeah. the man who's wise enough to do that. So I'm jealous of your copy of Gallerist. <laughs> All right. So um, the, the another game that you have that I really really want, probably the most of all of these is Mombasa. It's not an episode of the board game mechanics without us mentioning Mombasa. <laughs> That's true. And the thing with this game is, I just looked at cool stuff today, and it's forty nine dollars. It's not even like it's oh, expensive. Hey. That yeah. makes your rule, man. That makes I your know. rule of not spend fifty bucks on a game. So I know. I I thought about it, but I don't know. I've just, this one I've, will be in your collection eventually. I'm sure of it. Yeah, eventually I'll have to pull the trigger on it because it's just too good of a game not to. It was awesome. I mean, even us playing it with two, it played with two really well. So I don't know. It's it's a good game. Yeah, I agree. And I was just watching um the Dice Tower um, top one hundred with Melody and Jason Levine. Yeah, it's his number 13, I think. Yeah, he loves Mombasa. And he was talking about the cool um, playing a card, and then you have to move it up to the discard pile, and then you can only pick one up, and he said that was his favorite mechanism, and I totally agree. That is awesome. Yeah. I I mean, I like like the stock manipulation stuff, too. That's pretty cool. Here's the thing about that. I've watched that top 100, too. I haven't watched the whole thing. I watched, like, their top 20 and their last 10, like their 90 to 190. And the two things that blow my mind on that series are one, Melanie Vassell is like 18 years old. Like, I remember her being like 11, and I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, Tom, you're bringing the kid on? Okay, whatever. And like, it was fine. Like, I do the same thing with my kids, so. Right, right, But right. I mean, like, I seriously remember her being like 11, like this little girl. Like, I was like, and now she's like a young lady. It's like crazy. But she yeah, has a pretty awesome, she does have pretty awesome taste in games, honestly. I think she has better taste than her dad, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, yeah. So, but the other thing that blew my mind is that Mombasa was his 13, and one of my shame games, Great Western Trail, was his number two, I think. So, yeah. like, I'd, I've got to get that one out. I mean, same designer, and he thinks it's much better. And as much as I love Mombasa, I'm guessing I'm really going to love Great Western Trail. So, hopefully yeah. next week when we record, I can say I played it over the last week and talk about it. But, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for winning Mombasa. It's a great game. I talk about it every week on this show. Whenever I get a chance, I will talk about it. Right, yeah, I totally agree. I had some custom shirts made up that said, ask me about Mombasa to wear around Gen Con, so pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's not many games about camping in Africa, you know? I mean, like, because that's the theme, going on a camping trip in Africa. So, yeah, or at least that's what I tell myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, um, the happy theme, yes. We're putting tents up all over Africa <laughs> to go sightseeing and see the African bananas and elephants. So, anyway... Yeah, and coffee. 
<laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I loved playing that game with you too. I'm not surprised it made your list because I think it seemed like you were having a good time playing it. Oh yeah, it's so, amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. We have time. I'm gonna go ahead and do my honorable mentions. Uh, Transatlantic, you mentioned today already. That's one that I haven't even played yet, and I know that I'm gonna enjoy it. And I actually think I like the theme of that game far superior to Concordia. Like the Concordia theme of like building and trading in the Mediterranean. I absolutely hate that theme. And I bought that game in spite of that theme. Um, so Transatlantic is one that I definitely like would love, love, love to play at some point. And, uh, and then the other one that is just, again, there's no reason that like, there's no reason why this one isn't, um, in my collection. It's Secret Hitler. Like that game's 35 bucks. And I think you have to pay shipping right now on it. But I mean, like, there's no reason why I don't own an official version of that game yet. Like, but that game is so good. I mean, just it's the social deduction game. After you play that game, you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to throw away my copy of uh, Resistance (laughs) and uh, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong and uh, all these games where there's secret roles and stuff. So forget it. Yeah. So those are, those are my two honorable mention games. There's probably some other ones out there too that I wish I under years but those are the two that man i was like oh those are hard not to put on the list yeah uh i didn't really think about what to talk about of yours but since we talked about it earlier great western trail probably for sure because yeah. that seems like a heavier version of mombasa which is right in my alley and then yeah. i'd probably also pick either scythe or euphoria one of those one of those jamie ass games huh yep Probably sides, just because it costs more money. So that would be more of an unattainable game, you know. So you could, you could trade it for something better eventually down the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get you. That's okay. I did like that game though, which I still don't know if I did really like it or I was just enamored by it and it was late. Yeah, I, I, it has conflict in it, which I know is a big put off for you and Rado. So I mean, like, I get that. Yeah. So I understand that for sure. I. I uh, I know that you're eyeballing my copy of Finca. That's one that I was like, ah, he might put Finca on the list, but only because it's like out of print right now. Right. Um, yeah. But it is it is a good game, and I think you probably wouldn't mind playing that one. No, I'd play it for sure. And the other one was Concordia. I thought, ah, eh, maybe he'll put Concordia on there. As much as he liked Transatlantic, he might think that game's cool too. I thought about it, but I don't know. Like the more I watch Concordia, the more I think I like the the way that Transatlantic does the the stuff outside of the card play. So like the moving ships around and stuff. I think I like that better than what Concordia does on the board. The gathering resources and building yeah. things up kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're definitely, I mean, like I think transatlantic is more fun to the, I think like the ratio of like, I think they're both like a solid, you know, like B plus game. And then like the Concordia puts an extra layer of like heaviness and like, very Euroiness on top of it, which makes it an A game. And I think Transatlantic puts like super cool theme and fun gameplay on top of it to make it an A game. And I think yeah. they're, you know, enough different that I think I could see myself owning both for sure. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. I thought for sure you'd want to own Mechs versus Minions. That's one that it seems <laughs> like it would be a game that you love. That's yeah. clearly a lie. You're if right you own Mechs versus Minions, you'd put it in the recycling bin and get the like raw plastic value out of it to buy like a card game or something that you wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If I had mech versus minions, I would probably, yeah, it would be trade fodder on BGG for <laughs> anything else. Probably. 
Except for you have to ship it, which is going to cost you like a hundred bucks. But anyway, that's true. I could probably get Predator though if I had um, Mechs versus Minions, so that would be cool. Oh, oh, that's what I should do. I should trade for that game, and then I'll have another coveted game. Like that's that's really what it's about: having games that people will like are jealous of you owning. So yeah, I want Predator so bad. There is a part of that that people you know like definitely have that in them that they have pride in owning Grail games. so game games that you and I both own that we've bought since we played the other person's copy of it, definitely for me Shakespeare. Um, actually, I didn't even play your copy. You just talked about it, and I was like, oh, I think I need to own that. And I finally get right, to yeah. it. So that's that's <laughs> one that I picked up. Um, I, there's some other ones too. What else did I pick up that I played your copy and I was like, I need to own it? Grand Austria Hotel. Oh yeah, that one Grand definitely. Austria. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoyed that game, and I thought that's something that's accessible enough to like my gaming group around here. So that was one that I coveted and bought. Um, yeah. I'm thinking the only one that you've bought that I own would probably be Bruges. And I have Revolution now as well. Ah, yes, Revolution. Getting Revolution for a song like you did, every every person listening to this should do that, you know? Yeah, Go out and yeah. find a copy of Revolution for super cheap because the box is ugly and it wasn't marketed <laughs> well at all. And then You're right. be happy that you got it for 25 bucks. Yeah. Well, I think I got Istanbul because you talked about it as well on your top 100. Ah, that's, that's a great game too. I, I've had my copy at my friend's house for like over a year now and I'm like ready to drive over to his house. He lives like 40 minutes from me and I'm ready to drive to his house and be like, Hey, um, I need my copy of Istanbul back. So yeah, thanks. And spend 30 bucks for the gas to get my $30 game. But still like, uh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to have it back. That's a game that I really love. Yeah. It's a good game. So he sent me a picture of his family playing it just to make me mad. I think. He's like, notice that we're all at the tea house. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, yeah, I want my game back. Give it back. So if you're listening yeah. to this podcast, you know who you are. Give me my game back. <laughs> I have a buddy. Uh, he Every time he comes up, he came over to my house last night, and we played games till like 1130. And um, he ended up, he borrowed a game. He has like three of, my, three of my games. And he sent me a picture today of him playing Century Spice Road while, they were, while his wife was working. <laughs> what a jerk, man. Yeah, and it's like a good friend of you to lend out your copy of Century Spice Road. That's the one you gave him, so. Yep. Yeah, that's a good game. Well, cool. That's This is crazy, Jason. This is our short episode, and it's, I mean, our long episode, and it's actually shorter than our short episode last week, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's fine. I think people are going to be kind of sad they don't get to like talk to us for an hour and seven minutes or whatever the normal show length is, but I'd rather that's do true. 52 good minutes than like 107 crappy ones, so. <laughs> anyway, I really yeah. don't have anything else to say except for go to our Facebook page and there is more content of Jason and I, you know, talking about games and stuff that you haven't heard. If you're just a podcast subscriber, check us out over there. Um, you also, if you go to our Facebook page, we'll get to see um, Katie and Kim uh, who are like our sister presenters or something. I don't know. I guess it's weird to call your wife our sister, but um, <laughs> like... They do they do some real explanations in top twenty five games. They're kind of fun to watch as well. Um, right. And then I I think uh, if you go to our I don't know where we have a link at, but I just put up a really bad audio quality long play of Terraforming Mars. Um, it's really long. It's like an hour and a half long because we do almost a full play of the game. But um, we have some pretty funny jokes about inbreeding on Mars. So um, <laughs> there are some good things in there if you listen to the whole episode. So. Anyway, if you want more of us, go go check out the uh, 
Facebook page as well. Uh, the Instagram too. Jason does a nice job posting there and our Twitter somewhat to a degree at least. So, but who uses Twitter anymore, honestly? So yeah, I don't know. I don't post on that that much, but Instagram for sure. It'll be, it'll be using, there'll be pictures on there every day, probably. Yeah. And in five years from now, like our Twitter account might be out there somewhere, but it'll just be like everyone else's dusty and unused. So (laughs) yeah. And also, um, if we can get to 300 likes or followers on Facebook, Oh, absolutely. We'll do the, we'll start up a Q and a, we don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, I think Jason out. and I probably take turns doing Q and A's on Facebook Live, and actually, that sounds really fun to me. Um, I'd love to have you guys ask me if I'd rather fight a uh, horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fight either. No? no, I think a board game about that would be really cool too. So there, there is kind of a board game like that called Super Fight. Have you ever played that? I have. I have like I used to get like a loot crate. And uh, oh, yeah. they had a little yeah. like exclusive loot crate deck in there, so I had like a little tiny deck of that stuff. And it's it's one of those games like Cards Against Humanity where it's like kind of neat and fun the first couple times you play, and then it's kind of like oh okay, I don't really feel like arguing. But this this is funny as any fun. I would right, rather yeah. have I'd rather have Mister Rogers with an atom bomb than <laughs> Hitler with a slingshot, you know, or whatever. Right, I don't yeah. know. So yeah, yeah it's fun. We, for sure. We bought it. We bought it when we were in Seattle one time. They had this cool game store in Olympia, Washington. And I got that and like a couple of the colored expansions, like a blue and a purple, I think. And yeah, it's one of those games with the right group. It's awesome. Yeah, you can just sit around and just pull out some cards and argue about it for a while. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, anything else, Jason? Uh, I don't think so. We're just go- waiting for our couple review copies, and then we'll get some of that inf- that stuff up for you guys to check out. And yeah, we need to come up with a word, though. We need a secret yeah, word. Yeah, well, what's our word going to be? I think our word should be Discord this week, because I don't know if it came through in this podcast or not, but our Discord connection got really bad at a few times, so I was like kind of guessing when Jason was done talking, and I hope I guessed right, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I have another word, but yeah, we can use Discord because um, part of it was me messing with the mic, on, the mute on my microphone because my kid was yelling. So that could be part of it too. <laughs> How dare you have toddlers? <laughs> yeah. What What's your other word, Jason? Did you say uh, it? Yeah, it was mute. The mute, mute button. Got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, whoever edits this episode, God bless you. Not it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily as bad as you think it is. So, but yeah, yeah, I definitely know I cut you off and talked over you a couple times. So sorry about that, and sorry, audience. I know I'm pretty brash and jerkish, but there were just a couple <laughs> times where I just didn't know what was going on because you had that whole like, well, my favorite game is Get Kirk, and that's why I really love that game. So I don't know. Hopefully, some good art came out of this somehow. Like I don't know, whatever. It sounded fine on my end, so we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll leave it at that. Oh, good. And I tend to talk more than you, so I think we'll be fine. So, all right. Good deal. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you next week. Yeah.